0: to numbers chapter 9 and as you are aware we are in a series in the book of numbers and we're slowly marching through this uh, enormous book and hopefully you'll find this that will be something of great strength and encouragement to you through the years as you understand better how the Lord works in our lives and as we look at the book of numbers, uh, we're, we're beginning to understand realities, but we're beginning also to understand the signs and symbols of the way that he works and moves in our lives. And so last week, um, Brad dealt with um, uh, the, the Passover celebrated, and then tonight, Numbers 9, 15, through the end of the chapter. This is the cloud covering the tabernacle. Verse 15 On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. And at evening, it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, um, after that, the people of Israel set out, and in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. Verse 19 Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. Verse 21, and sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days, or a month, or a longer time, that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel, Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. Verse 23. At the command of the Lord, they encamped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command um, of the Lord by Moses. Let's pray. Father, what a remarkable, remarkable passage as we are reminded yet again of your presence with the children of Israel. Cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at, at night. And Father, just reading this passage um, you could just sense their longing to be obedient to those things that you've called them to. And Father, we recognize in a very fresh way, even in this moment, that Jesus said that he was leaving. He told his disciples, I'm leaving and there, there's another comforter coming. And Father, we we as the people of God, the people of the Scriptures, we're so thankful for the Holy Spirit that rests in our lives, rules in our lives, and draws us even deeper into the things of truth and the things of the kingdom. Father, I pray that as we study tonight, you'll be with us. May we know of your power and your strength. May we know of your presence. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Dear friends, the kingdom of God is about a journey. It is a it's a spiritual journey, and that we as God's men and women, we are on pilgrimage we are on a pilgrimage in the light of that journey. And that we are on a journey that is taking us not only into the presence of God, but we're on a journey that is taking us into heaven and ultimately into the new heavens and the new earth where where we will reside with our Father in heaven. For all eternity and we will reside with the saints for all eternity as well and I think after the years that I've been here you know me that I love a journey and I love to travel but as I grow older in this life and I continue to love the, uh, uh, the benefits of my job description here as I have the opportunity to travel Um, throughout the U.S. and throughout Europe seeing what the Holy Spirit is doing. I've come to recognize in a very new and fresh way what does it mean for us to enter into the story of Jesus? To enter into the story of the kingdom and to recognize that this is a kingdom not only of truth and life, but it is a kingdom that brings renewal and regeneration to our lives so that we actually have the privilege of coming into the presence of God and to and to what and we understand what it means to be in relationship with the Lord God of heaven and earth it's to some degree the very thing that Sean preached so faithfully this morning you see what are the implications of the gospel for us they are myriad, to say the least. But I want you to understand tonight that we're not simply called to a biblical theological system. And I want to say this at the outset. This is a system that I thoroughly enjoy. I love the scriptures. I love the Reformed faith. I love the Westminster Confession of Faith. I love the deeper things of the faith. I want to know these principles um, that are articulated in our theology. I want to know those things and understand those things. But as we're called into a system of theology, we are also called into a relationship with Jesus. And we'll read by the close of this sermon in John 15 where Jesus says, I have called you my friend. What an amazing reality to be called a friend of Jesus. What an amazing thought that we have that we can actually come into the presence of God. We can come with boldness, readily confessing our sins to Him, and that we can live before our Father in heaven in a richness of relationship that we will enjoy not only in this life, but in, the, the, but in every moment of the life to come. And I want to say that one more time. It is the richness of a personal relationship that we can begin to joy in, in, in this life, but in every moment of eternity as well. And that's Numbers chapter 9. That's the children of Israel in the wilderness following the command of the Lord, pillar the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, longing to be obedient to all that He had for them. But I want you to look at something, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13 as we continue to unpack the importance of this message uh, tonight. And in Exodus chapter 13 verses 20, verse 21 and 22. Because it's very first point in my outline this morning, this afternoon, is this. That for Israel, they had a conscious awareness that the Lord was with them. Verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And at night in a pillar of fire to give them light. That they might travel by day. And by night, the pillar, of cloud, uh, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night might not depart from before the people. These were a people who wanted to follow the Lord. These were a people who wanted to have the to, to know of the presence of the Lord in their lives. They were a people that wanted to have the presence of the Lord in their lives. They were a people who understood what it meant to walk before the Lord and to know of His power and His strength in their lives. And these verses, in in a very real sense, are indicative of Matthew uh, 28. For lo, I am with you always, I'm with you to the very end of the age. When I was in college I read Knowing God by Jay Packer and in the opening chapters of that book Packer talked about there's a difference between knowing God knowing about God knowing of God knowing concerning God and there's and really knowing God in an ultimate personal way knowing Jesus as a friend walking alongside, on, the, on a road of discipleship through your life, longing to live like Jesus, longing to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And so a question that I have for you tonight is this. Are you one who simply knows about the person of God, the power of God, maybe the presence of God, but you don't really know Him at all? Are you one that when in times of of ...weakness and difficulty? Do you, do you draw upon your own personal resources? Do you draw upon your own efforts? Do you draw upon your own energy? Do you strive to solve this situation on your own? Or are you, as it says in Psalm 107 verse 5... ...the Lord will show you the right path? Or in the King James Version it says the Lord will show you the straight path. Aren't we reminded in the Gospels that there is a gate that is narrow, there is a path that is narrow? And aren't we reminded in Psalm 23 that He is the one that leads us to paths of righteousness? Would you take a moment and just turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23 and let me remind you of these passages In this very important psalm, Psalm 23, starting in verse 1, and it says this This is the psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, notice the pronoun starting in verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside the still waters, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And what is the importance of that? In this psalm, we we read of the divine initiative of our Father in heaven who leads us, guides us, and directs us as we have the privilege of walking personally and intimately with him. You see... For the children of Israel, there was a consciousness that the Father was with them. And in the very same way as we think about Matthew 28, there ought to be in our lives a consciousness that He is with us as well. But secondly, I want you to see in light of of what we're dealing with tonight, that it's not only a consciousness, but also That the pillar of fire was a guarantee of God's shelter and protection in their lives. Psalm 105, 39 says this. He spread a cloud for a covering, a fire to give light by night. You see, the the cloud and the fire was God's protection for God's people. And the fire and the cloud was actually an indicator that He was for His people. In the same way that the gospel is an indicator that He is for us. If you're still sitting in Exodus 13, move over just a chapter to Exodus 14, verse 24. I want you to notice this verse. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic. And that's what it says in the ESV. In the New King James Version, not, not New King James, but King James Version, says this. And it came to pass in the morning watch, the Lord looked down into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the, cl- and of the cloud uh, and troubled the host. Of the Egyptians. In the King James, he troubled the host. In the ESV, he caused panic among the forces. Do you see God fighting for his people? You'll read that in in another verse or two. God is actually engaged fighting for his people, he's causing distress and and trouble for the Egyptians. And I had, I was listening to one old Scottish preacher this week, and he said this It's as if God reached down and he growled at the Egyptians. He growled at them, and he said to them, to the Egyptians, These are my people. This is my treasured possessions. These are the ones that I will protect. You see, the the cloud and the fire were indicative of God's shelter and protection for the Egyptians. And that's why we read in, in Psalm 121, let me read this for you real quick, it says this, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. But he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Dear friends, do you know much of what this passage is dealing with? It's the fatherhood of God over his people. It's the psalmist crying out that as I am in times of need, my help comes from the Lord. And notice what he says. He will neither slumber nor sleep. He says this, The Lord is your keeper. He is the shade on your right hand. What does that mean? Shade. He is the one that provides comfort. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. He will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Beloved, do we know much of this truth in this life? Or when we find ourselves in weakness and distress, do we draw upon our own resources? When we find ourselves backed into the wall, do we come out fighting with worldly weapons? Or do we recognize the fatherhood of God in our lives and consequently do we walk by faith in light of all that he has for us in this very moment? Have, have you contemplated the degree to which our Father has loved you? Do you have you contemplated the degree to which he will, has cherished you and how he has begun a work in you that is being brought into completion in that final day by Jesus Himself? Have you contemplate the massive work of the gospel in your life? Listen to these verses out of Romans 8. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Now listen. For those whom He foreknew, He predestined, to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? One of my favorite verses, verse 32 He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Have you stopped to contemplate the wealth and the magnitude of these verses? God's sovereign involvement in your life, and do you recognize that He is involved in every single detail of our lives. And that He is working every single detail, as it says in 28, for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. He's working every single detail of our lives for the good. And we come to a point where we finally begin to understand the magnitude of that statement then we finally want to be done with self and we finally want to walk by faith and we want to see life through the eyes of faith and we really want to begin to see and understand all that the Lord has for us in not only in this moment, but in every other moment of our life as well. But how do we begin to do that? We have to exercise faith and we have to move through this storm that we might find ourselves in by faith. Expecting to receive from Jesus everything that he has for us in that moment. You see, there was a cloud and there was fire. And these were signs and symbols to the children of Israel that the Lord was with them. There was a fire and there was a cloud. And these were signs and symbols that the Lord was going to intervene for His people. And His timing may not be our timing, or our timing may not be His timing. But here's what I can say to you, brothers and sisters. He will intervene every time for us. According to His plan and His wisdom and His goodness and His holiness, for His timing is always perfect. And if we can ever come to the point of embracing that for what it means for us in this life, how readily we would be to just give up these things that are so trivial, that pertain to this life, and hold on to these things that are so weighty, so right, so true, and so holy. Because when we begin to understand the weight and the magnitude of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us, are you ready? It causes us to no longer be hungry for the things of this earth. And it causes us to more and more grow hungry for the things of the kingdom. You see, for Israel, there was a cloud and there was fire. For us, there's a gospel and a Savior. And if you remember in John 15, as I said just a moment ago, I said this, you'll get this verse at the close of our time tonight, but in John 15, it says this, 15 and 16, No longer do I call you servants, For the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name... He may give it to you. I trust that you came here tonight longing to worship our Father in heaven. I trust that you came here tonight longing to know in a more profound way that Jesus is your friend. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. He is your friend. And why does He call us His friends? For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Have you ever considered exactly what we don't know concerning the kingdom? Have you ever considered... What are the greater things? What's the, what, what are those deeper things? What are those m- more profound things that I don't really discern or understand at this point? And you know what, beloved? Oftentimes we don't ask those questions because we're so easily satisfied with the temporal. We're so easily satisfied with a few crumbs of bread when we have a Father in heaven that has promised to us light and life and truth. Exodus 33 says this, and I'm going to close with this. Exodus thirty three eleven. Thus the Lord spoke, excuse me, thus the Lord uh, used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, son of Nun, the young man, would not depart from the tent. But what what an amazing thing for us to understand. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. What is the power of friendship? Your friends set the trajectory of your life like no one else will. And I have to say that over the course of my years in ministry, that the Lord in His kindness has given me really good friends that constantly point me back to Jesus and they're constantly setting for me the whole trajectory of my life. And I'm desperately in need of those friends because I'm desperate to know of that trajectory of life that is a kingdom trajectory. There's power in friendships. And there's power in knowing that Jesus is your friend. There's power in recognizing that we have a Father in heaven who has loved us before time and he has loved us with the divine love and he is the one that is taking this absolute divine initiative in our lives And he has set us on a path. He has set us on a trajectory that is a kingdom trajectory that will not end. There's power in friendships. I call upon you tonight to choose your friends wisely. Choose friends that are going to point you in the light of the kingdom. But secondly... I call you tonight to recognize the friendship that you have in the Lord Jesus. And I call you tonight to recognize the fatherhood that you have with our our Lord in heaven. And I call you tonight to this truth, what we read in Numbers 9, the fire and the cloud. These are signs and symbols of his presence. That he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, he'll always guide us. And we know to those that love the Lord who are called according to His purpose, everything, every time works to the good. I'm going to say this, and I think there's cynics in the room tonight that would say no. And as a believer of the gospel, I say yes. Will you say yes tonight? Will you say yes? Father, there's so many times that we want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we want to live life on our terms. And we see your signs and symbols all around us as we come to church that point to the truth. But, Father, we live in denial of those truths. I pray, Father, that tonight, through the work of your Holy Spirit, that we will see and understand anew and afresh this friendship that Jesus has for us. Not only Savior, not only Lord, but also friend. That, Father, as... Moses was there with the Lord face to face. May may we spend our lives reading our scriptures, reading your scriptures, praying to you, being face to face with you, and knowing this profound relationship that you've called us into. In your son's name we pray. Amen.